I'm Kevin Huffman with Kevin Huffman Farms, McGregor, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, we've got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the first two gene-edited Angus cattle are right here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The big fall-off in grain prices is putting pressure on Texas High Plains farmers right now. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll let you hear some of the analysis and advice that Dr. Mark Welch of Texas A&M shared at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. The USDA's Undersecretary for Trade and Agricultural Affairs talks about the importance of partnerships and market diversification when it comes to agricultural trade for the United States. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from her straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Fallout weather here in the Blacklands of Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Gene editing in cattle holds a lot of potential for the cattle industry, according to Donald Brown of the R.A. Brown Ranch in Throckmorton, Texas. Brown says he's already giving this new technology a try. We've got the first two gene-edited Angus animals. The company that we're working with has made others with slick hair coat traits. We actually turn black Angus animals red. But the black cattle absorb a little more heat than the red cattle. So we said, hey, let's take these great Angus genetics, put them in a more climate-friendly hair coat color, and then our company that's doing the gene editing is also making them slick hair coat so that they're slick like a Brahmin, not the normal Angus hair coat. Now, we can select and breed for it and do it, but it's going to take generations, years of production to get that. We can do it with gene editing and do it fast. With 70% of the global cattle population in the tropics and subtropics, Brown says it's a huge opportunity for Angus to take on these more heat-tolerant, gene-edited red color and slick hair coats. Texas A&M AgriLife is holding a webinar on minimizing drift on grazing lands later this week. The webinar will cover different types of drift, factors that influence drift, drift strategies, and methods to aid in drift minimization. One Texas Department of Agriculture CEU is available. 
The webinar will be held from noon to 1 p.m. Thursday. Cost is $35 and you must pre-register. A link is available at today.agrilife.org. That's today.agrilife.org. Simply search Minimizing Drift. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Cattle groups are praising the introduction of a Senate version of the Black Vulture Relief Act, introduced this week by Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma. It's a companion bill to legislation introduced in the House earlier this year that would help protect cattle producers from the devastating impacts of black vulture depredation. Mullen says ranchers should have the right to protect their livestock from predators, He notes black vulture attacks are often gruesome affairs lasting several hours, and those attacks cost ranchers an average of $2,000 for every calf killed. Black vultures are currently protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, so those wanting to take one must first obtain a depredation permit from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The bill would give ranchers leeway to take more black vultures if needed, but they would be required to document the kills and submit an annual report. The big fall in grain prices is putting pressure on Texas High Plains farmers. James Hunt has some analysis and advice on dealing with these lower grain prices. For our Texas High Plains grain producers, the markets are looking a lot different than they were a year ago. Winter wheat prices have lost about $2 a bushel, and corn is down by almost the same amount. At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, I had the chance to talk about the price dilemma with Texas A&M grain marketing economist Mark Welch. Here's Dr. Welch's take on the situation. One of my main concerns would be that we're seeing, I think, some improvement in growing conditions in the U.S. and globally over the last couple of years, which, again, at the farm level is great to see. The problem being that if we're seeing those production increases growing faster than what's happening on the demand side of the balance sheet on our use categories. That tends to add to that ending stocks number, that carryover number of grain from one marketing year to the next. And typically when we see that larger carryover, that has a price depressing effect. And as to the demand side specifically, slumps in export activity are a major issue as both U.S. corn and U.S. wheat are being challenged by a very competitive export market environment. So making a profit has become more difficult for our farmers, but as they market their crops going forward, Dr. Welch says it's critical to be on the lookout for any price spikes that might occur. Volatility and variability create opportunity. And again, that's not picking highs and lows of markets, but it's evaluating where the markets are trading with this movement that we've seen, whether up or down or whatever's happening in your local area, is this something we can do to not let this one get away? More from Dr. Mark Welch tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Partnerships and market diversification are important to improving agricultural trade. Tom Nicoletti talks trade with a USDA undersecretary. 
My guest today is Alexis Taylor. She is the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. Caught up with her at the recent uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation uh, Fall Conference in New Orleans. And Alexis, what was your uh, main message uh, to uh, those in attendance at the conference? Well, I think we had two main messages I hope folks heard and took away from. First is how important partners like USMEF are to really being able to capitalize on our export advantage that we have here in the United States, in particular in the red meat trade. Our products are highly desirable. They are known as safe, high quality products all over the world. And it takes partners like USMEF to really capitalize and capture those markets. I think the other is around market diversification. While our top uh, markets are key and they are going to continue to be important in the long term, making sure we have diverse markets for our food and agricultural products to really be able to go to a the world is important. And it takes investment both from the USDA and the federal government, but also our partners like USMEF. Now, uh, laying the foundation for more U.S. ag uh, red meat exports uh, across the world, uh, what is USDA doing in that uh, respect? So we really tackle, I think, this in a few ways. First, I was just in Southeast Asia on a trade mission where we had members from USMEF and their member companies with us, where we did market intelligence, learned, how consumers in Malaysia and Singapore, what products they're looking for, how they're purchasing those products, as well as matching our businesses with buyers from the region. That is Alexis Taylor. She is USDA's Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Central Texas Blacklands are seeing some fall-like weather. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Our current weather actually matches the season, and that's somewhat rare with the weather extremes we have had. We have had some warmer than normal days recently. 80 degrees in November just isn't normal. Uh, nighttime lows in the mid to lower 30s. Daytime highs in the 50s to lower 60s. That's what I would think would be typical for this time of year. The cold and damp mornings do fit this time of year, and you should be expected. There are some benefits of colder weather. The cooler weather does keep our insect populations low. Armyworms have continued to pop up randomly over McLennan County. And you, you would think the recent frost events would remove them as a pest. However, the cool and wet weather, as long as we have that with some daytime temperatures above 60 degrees, armyworm populations can increase to a level where they're economically important. If we have a run of warmer days, pay attention to your forage stands because you could have armyworms. I have been getting a lot of questions about a fuzzy black caterpillar that has had an enormous hatch. That is a salt marsh caterpillar, and they do feed mostly on broadleaf plants, and they're not really uh, harming or any of our ag crops. The dry weather we have had this past week has allowed farmers to finish planting wheat. We are planting a, a little bit later than normal for this part of Texas, but we're still well within our planting window for small grains in the central Texas Blackland region. Still on the dry side of the weather, we could use some more moisture. We have had several frost events that have set back our warm season forages, and you're seeing cool season annuals much more evident out in the landscape. Isolated pockets in McLennan County have received large amounts of rain, but most of McLennan County is still well under our yearly rainfall totals. The southern Blackland area is very dry and hasn't received as much rain as the northern Blackland region in central Texas, central Blackland region. We're kind of in the middle. 
We some areas have received a good bit of rain and some are still dry. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLeod from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Chronic wasting disease is now impacting a state research facility. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And orthobiological products are becoming more common in training horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Orthobiological products are becoming more common in treating damaged tissue and organs in horses. Dr. Bob Judd explains exactly what an orthobiologic is. Dr. Stacy Oakey indicates in the horse publication that an orthobiologic is a medical therapy that helps a horse's body repair, replace, restore, and regenerate cells and tissues that have been damaged. These therapies are also called regenerative therapies, and Dr. Lynn Pazanite indicates that there is a general lack of scientific evidence supporting these therapies. Platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, is the most studied of these therapies as it delivers growth factors and clotting proteins to optimize tissue healing. PRP is commonly used to treat tendon, ligament, and joint injuries. However, there's a tremendous variation between the number of platelets in different products and the correct number of platelets to provide the best effect. Another orthobiologic is autologous condition serum, or ACS, as this contains anti-inflammatories, growth factors, and blocks pro-inflammatory cytokines. Autologous protein solutions involves delivering a concentrated solution of cells, platelets, and growth factors and anti-inflammatories to the target locations. All of these products are produced from the horse's own blood and can be processed within just a few minutes up to 24 hours depending on the specific product. Stem cells can also be used to treat joint and tendon injuries, torn menisci in the stifle, arthritis, and even laminitis. These stem cells can be collected from fat, bone marrow, or the umbilical cord of newborn foals. There is a disadvantage to using stem cells from the horse to be treated as the cells must be cultured, and this requires two to four weeks. There are some more orthobiologicals being developed, but all of these need adequate research to determine if they are effective and the correct dosage of each to use. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chronic wasting disease is now impacting a state research facility. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. A suspected case of the fatal deer disease, chronic wasting, has led the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to euthanize the deer in its Kerr Wildlife Management Area Research Facility. On Friday, TPWD announced the suspect positive case of CWD in a 14-month-old white-tailed deer at the facility. The detection was found through live animal testing that is conducted on all white-tailed deer at the facility as part of the ongoing research. 
As a precaution, TPWD staff euthanized all deer in the facility. The deer were tested for CWD after their deaths, and TPWD reports none of the other deer tested positive for the neurological disease. The department says they will continue monitoring for chronic wasting throughout the research facility and the WMA. John Solofsky, TPWD's Wildlife Division Director, said TPWD staff are disappointed to abruptly end nearly 50 years of white-tailed deer research that has significantly influenced deer management in Texas and across the United States. He said TPWD staff will continue to investigate opportunities to enhance the understanding of the insidious disease in both captive environments and free-ranging populations. The Kerr WMA research facility was built in 1974. It is a high-fenced facility that offers researchers the ability to study white-tailed deer in a controlled setting. The initial stock of deer in the facility were native white-tailed deer obtained from various parts of the state. TPWD reports they did not routinely move deer into or out of the facility after the initial stocking. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check those markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We still can't find a bottom in this cattle futures market. Monday kicked off the trading week with yet another big drop in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle dropped 202 to close at 167.25. February down 205, 167.07, with April live cattle down $1.92, 169.70. Feeder cattle getting hit even harder with January dropping 390, 210.52. March feeders down 365 at 213.57. April feeder cattle down 375, 217.42. Cash fed cattle trade lower once again last week. We saw a range of sales last week, started at 173 here in the Southern Plains, end of the week around 175. That's two to three bucks lower compared to the previous week in the Northern Plains. Dressed cattle sold at two seventy-five. That's mostly three to five dollars lower. Boxed beef was lower Monday. Choice down a dollar eighty-two, two ninety-five sixty-four. Select down a dollar sixty-three at two sixty-three sixty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Madison Bexley is my guest in the alleyway at Lockhart Livestock. They sell every Thursday. Maddie, how many did you draw this last week? We ended up with 11.58 with 228 cows and 28 bulls, 199 sellers, and 87 buyers. Madison, walk the pins with me. Yeah, we had an extremely active market this week uh, on the stalker cows. The better of the pairs brought from 13.50 to 19 and a quarter. The mediocre and middle-aged cows from, I'm sorry, pairs from 800 to 12.50. The good red cows from 12 to 1350 the mediocre middle-aged and shortbred cows from six and a quarter to 1175 uh, packer cows and bulls would have been mostly steady with a week ago the good high yielding cows from 90 to a dollar three the medium yielding cows from 80 to 89 low yielding and lightweight cows from 57 to 79 the good high yielding packer bulls from a dollar 15 to a dollar 23 the low medium yielding and lightweight bulls from 80 to a dollar 14 and on the calves and yearlings uh, they took they took a really good selling yesterday uh, the market and the demand was extremely good on all weights of the good quality cattle and as a whole the quality of the calves was real good yesterday and that always makes our job a little easier so all in all it was a it was a really good day good what was the count uh, 11.58. Now, what do we anticipate for next week, and what will be our sale schedule through the holiday? Sure. We will have a sale next week, which is the 7th, and then the following week is the 14th. That's our last sale of the year, and then we will come back on the 4th, I think, Thursday the 4th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. You can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512 398 3476, my cell phone at 979-540-9793, or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Madison, thanks for the report. Texas neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished mixed on Monday. The nearby December contract down 55 cents, 68.05. February hogs up 70 at 70.80. Class 3 milk higher on Monday. December milk up 4 cents, 16, 16, 100. January milk up 6, 16, 37, 100 weight. Cotton market lower on Monday. Now, we did see the March contract hit 80 cents at one point, but we could not hang on to those gains. We closed it lower across the board. December cotton down 74 points, 77, 68. March cotton down 74 points at 78, 68. Corn finished mixed. The nearby December contract down four and a quarter at 460 and a quarter. March up three quarters, 485 and a half. Both hard and soft wheat moved higher. December Kansas City wheat up 11 and a quarter, 656 and a quarter. But we saw even bigger gains in the soft wheat in Chicago. China purchasing 440,000 metric tons of soft wheat. And that helped move our prices higher there. December Chicago wheat up 18 and three quarters. 595 and three quarters. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 10 cents at 270. January West Texas crude down 79 cents at 73.28 a barrel. The financial markets lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down 41 points, 36,204. The Nasdaq down 119 points, 14,185. The S&P down 24 at 4,569. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.